Uh, this morning, uh, uh, we've been for several weeks looking at this, this idea that God is good. And I didn't come to this lightly. I didn't come to this, uh, this series of sermons uh, just because I needed something else to preach. All right, I, I came here because I really believe that if we will grasp the goodness of God, it will revolutionize uh, our lives. I, I, I believe that too often uh, we give uh, assent or we give lip service to God is good, but deep down inside we're just not, as, not sure He's as good as the Bible says He is or as, as good as somebody else says He is. And, and the reality of it is He is, he is far better. <laughs> he's gooder, 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 okay? He, he, he just gets better. He's far better than we think. And, and we've been looking for the last couple of weeks at some, some different things that, that we that cause us to think the way we think. In other words, to, to, to have the theologies we have about God. And, and one of them that I want to look at today, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some questions really before I, before I tell you what it is, but this one today that we're going to deal with is, is one that, that paralyzes us in our relationship with God because it creates fear. And where there's fear... There's no faith. Okay? And where there's no faith, God can't be pleased. Because the, the, the person that comes to God has to believe that He is. And that He's a rewarder of those that seek Him. That's what faith is. And so, I, I want to ask you some questions. More. I don't expect you, I don't want you, in fact, I don't want you to answer them out loud, okay? I don't even want you to move. I'm not going to peer at you like this. And I'm not going to do it. I don't want you to look around. I want you to punch your mate in the, in the ribs. I don't want you to do it. I just want you to, just to think about these things for just a minute. Do you ever worry about messing up? And then paying the price for it. Do you think or do you often consider or is it your belief that the bad things that are happening in your life right now or may happen in your life later, is God paying you back for the mistakes you made earlier in your life? Don't answer them out loud, okay? In the back of your mind, okay? In the back of your mind. It may not be the back. It may sit right here on the front. Are you terrified at the possibility of God getting mad, mad at you because of your lack of progress? And just saying, hey, I've had it, and just toasting you to a crisp. That's a little harsh, but you know what I'm saying. Do you, do you serve a God who's easily angered, has a short fuse, and is unusually harsh when it comes to handing out judgment? Will the God you worship punish you if you mess up? Do you fear any kind of judgment when you die? We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back, okay? We're all going to die. And we're all going to stand before God, all right? As believers, we're going to stand before the, the Bema seat, before the judgment seat. But it's a judgment seat not of what we've done. All right? It's a judgment seat to give out rewards. It's a reward 
judgment seat. But very often we get those things messed up. We were convinced that we're going to stand before God and we're going to watch a video of everything we've done wrong and God's going to point those things out and everybody else is going to see it too. I don't find that in Scripture. All right? Just a, just a thought. Here's the question I'm kind of getting at. Do you live with this idea that God's mad at you? Now, if you're honest and you, and you answer those questions with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, with truth and, 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 th- and you are, then it, it paints a picture then what you think God is and what He's like. Okay, it, it colors your theology. It colors your relationship with Him. It freezes you from stepping out and doing things because you're fearful that you will mess up. And then if you mess up, God will get you. Okay? You remember our quote we had from A.W. Tozier, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Listen, what we think is our theology. It truly is. And most of us struggle with with these kind of questions because, listen, we have been taught this garbage. Okay? We've been taught this garbage based on a faulty Old Testament understanding of who God is and how God works. Can I just say this? Very often, that picture of God has come straight forth from this pulpit. Or not this pulpit, but from the pulpit. We've, we've been taught that God, I mean, it, it's, it's Jonathan Edwards and sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of idea. That God will get you if you mess up. If you don't do this, and 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 this, and this, and you don't do this, there's a price to pay. And what's happened is we've taken a, a glimpse, a, 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 a small slice of, 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 of historical account, and we've made this who God is. Okay, I'm not saying that God wasn't wrathful in some places in Scripture, but He didn't get wrathful overnight. Folks, He didn't wipe the Canaanites out because yesterday they decided to do this. They had done it for generation after generation after generation after generation for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He didn't judge the, the, the Jews and scatter them to the nations because one day they decided to do this. No, they had done it for generations. They had not listened to him. He had sent his prophets. He had sent his, his, uh, his, 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 uh, his prophets and his, his teachers. And, 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 they, and they, they, they disregarded it. But we've been taught, based on that, that God's angry. And that he is spitting mad. And that he's, he's somehow filled with judgment. And that he's dripping with that indignation. And listen... God forbid, if we mess up, He's going to get us, and He's going to get us good. Now listen, we, we're, we're Protestants, right? That, this would be the place. This would be, this would, we're not Catholic, right? 
Okay, so we are Protestants. Okay, and as good Protestants, we, believe, we, we, we claim to believe in grace, right? Mercy, justification, and salvation uh, uh, by grace through faith. That's, that's the phrase, by grace through faith. Yet we preach on a regular basis wrath and anger and the vengeance of God to help us stay saved. All right? Now, when I say we, I'm talking about the Protestant church as a whole. We've used guilt and we've used fear and we've used condemnation rather than love and certainly not grace as a means of control to keep the old and the new believers in line for the past 1,900 years. All right? Fear sells, right? Fear works. Put the fear of God in somebody and you don't have to worry about them. So I, this morning, I'm talking, for the most part, to, to believers, okay? People that have been born again, that have placed their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to, to people who've been bought by the, the broken body and who've been uh, bought by the, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. I'm talking to people who shout and cheer about the resurrection. Amen? That excites us. Amen? The resurrection excites us. But yet we live in sheer terror that one day when we stand before God, we're going to get what we deserve. That dichotomy doesn't work. That, you, can't, you can't say this and believe this. You either accept this and it changes everything else or you live in constant fear that what Jesus did is not enough. Now, we wouldn't say that, but that's what it means. That's what it means. So what I'm, 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 I'm talking to those of you who know Jesus personally. Uh, too many pastors and too many teachers and, and too many regular believers, the little old me's, us, we cheer for what Jesus has done. And yet then we turn around and live our lives in uncertainty based on what we've done. Or what we don't do. And out of fear, what happens is we represent God to those around us as angry and wrath-filled and seething with vengeance. We talk about the goodness of God. We give it lip service. But very often, that's not the lifestyle. That's not the testimony that most of us see or hear or understand. And the reason is this, because the vast majority of believers, uh, Christians, are convinced that God's angry and that He's just waiting. He's kind of he's sitting on a, a pressure cooker. How many of y'all know what a pressure cooker is? I can remember as a kid, my mother would put the pressure cooker on, and it was, get out of here. You need to get out of here. I'm serious, and I know why, too, okay? But that's, that's, that's the way we envision God. It's, you need to get out of here. You know, creation draws back into the cracks and the crevices. And folks, that's not God. God's not sitting and waiting for a moment when He can just torch this planet and fill it with fire and brimstone. He's not. That's not the God of this book. That's not the God who created humanity for relationship. That's not the God who always acts in covenant. That's not Him. 
That's not the God who bleeds goodness. Okay? It's not the, no, it's not the God who lives in utter holiness and who's completely righteous and just. Instead, that picture looks more like a, a spoiled, petulant child who's frustrated and can't get his way. Amen? God gets his way. All right? Every day. Every moment. There's nobody else who can, can present a way that would change him. Okay? So he, he gets his way, but he's not sitting in heaven seething because somehow, some way, he's not getting everything he wants. And some of you live with this kind of mindset. And you live in a constant state of fear that you're somehow going to mess up and boom, payday. Payday. Listen, that's a lie. You've bought a lie. You've bought a mindset of dread and the devil is, 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 is selling you a bill of goods. I want to I share a very simple message today. I'm going to give you a very simple proof that, that you don't have to live in fear. This, this is not complicated. I'm going to use several verses. I'm going to read a, a rather extended uh, verse out of, uh, out of uh, Isaiah chapter 53. And I'm going to read about six, uh, six verses of Scripture here. And, uh, and then we'll look at some others. But here's what Isaiah says. Surely our griefs, our sicknesses, it can be translated either way. He... And when it speaks of he there, it's, it's prophetically speaking of Jesus. He himself bore, and our sorrows or our pains he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. In other words, that word smitten means to be struck down by God and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced through. He was, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being. For literally for our peace. That's the word there. Fell on Him. And by His scourgings or by His stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to His own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all. To fall or literally to be encountered by him. He has encountered that, that iniquity. And he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that's led to slaughter, like a sheep that's silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression? Literally, that's the word sin there for the transgression or the sin of my people. To whom the stroke was due. My sin. Your sin. Our sin. His grave was assigned with the wicked men. Yet he was not a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Or he was with the rich man in death. Because he had done no violence. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. Him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. Jesus 
drank the cup of God's wrath. Now that's that, that, that picture there, a cup of wrath. You see it all through the Old Testament. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. It's the anger of God that had been built up and built up and built up. And it, 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 the fact is it's the picture of, a, of, a, of the wine of wrath. And Jesus drinks that cup. He doesn't just take a sip, folks. He drinks all of it. Kills everything in it. He met God's reaction to sin. See, God reacted to sin because He's holy. Because He's good, He automatically reacts to it. And it has to be dealt with. And so what happens is Jesus drinks all of it. He deals with it. That's why when He's on the cross, and we we read these words in John 19, uh, 30, Jesus says, it is finished. In the Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. It's in a tense that means what has taken place at this moment, the benefits will continue forever into the future. It is finished. In other words, the cup is dry. I've completed and paid for the wrath that's been poured out. So Jesus drinks that cup that's reserved for us. He empties it. God pours out His wrath not on us. He pours it out on Jesus. Jesus becomes our substitute. It's as though we were standing in line and Jesus pushed us out and away and and He stood there in our place. That's what happens. And so he, he He becomes the substitute. He stands in my place. He stands in your place. And the word that that the Apostle Paul uses to describe this this act is a word we don't hear very often. We we read it in the New Testament some. It's the word propitiation. It's a very, very, very important word. It means to placate or to satisfy. In a biblical sense, it means to satisfy the wrath of God. That satisfaction brings peace to us with God. We're no longer at war. We're no longer living in opposition. We're no longer in bloody revolt against God. Jesus endures the wrath that belongs to me, that belongs to you, belongs to to all of us, to every person. According to 1 John 2.2, this is what he says, And he, Jesus himself, is the propitiation. He's the satisfaction. That's the word. He's the satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And John goes on and he says this again in in 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10. He says, by this, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. Now, this is a red alert. If you're on a submarine, the lights go red. You can hear all this. This is a red alert. God's not mad at you. I don't believe most of you believe me. 
Else, those are just verses. No, those are the words of the living God. <laughs> That's truth. That's truth. God is not mad at you. He paid, listen to me, He paid for your sins. Every last one of them. Past, present, and future. The ones you haven't even crossed and, and de- even had to deal with yet. The ones you haven't even been tempted over yet. He's already paid for them. And they're all paid for. Jesus dealt with it. I want you to listen to the words of the Holy Spirit here. In Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. His own love, His utter goodness. That's, that's what Paul's talking about there. In that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in that condition, Jesus Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified. Now, I want you to understand. It's, 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 You've got to understand justification and what it means to be justified. It, it, we, we, we hear this little... Uh, definition just as if I had not sinned. Okay, that's a nice definition, but you did sin. All right? But what happens is Jesus takes your sin from you and he gives you his righteousness in exchange. There's an exchange that takes place, he does it. And we become righteous, the righteousness of Christ. He takes all of it, folks. He doesn't leave anything that down the road somewhere you're going to have to pay for. He doesn't leave anything in a a wrinkle or a little crack that when God shines the light on it, He's going to see it and go, Hey, I'm sorry. We didn't get all this. Not going to happen. When Jesus paid for the wrath and He took the wrath on He paid for everything. Paid for everything. Much more than having been now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. I'm going to say it again. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. There's all kinds of end time teaching. But here's one thing I believe. I don't believe the church has to prove how holy she is because her holiness is in Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus has already paid for that wrath. She's His bride. She's not going to get worse and worse and worse. She's going to get better and better and better. I'm not saying conditions out there won't get worse. I'm saying that there's not going to be a little weak holding on, barely alive, needs some oxygen, can't hardly breathe church when Jesus comes back. There's going to be, there, there may be some things that look like that, but they're not the church. The church is going to be kicking down the, ha- the gates of hell and taking 
no names and clearing places out when Jesus returns because he is going to return for a bride who has, who has made herself ready. In other words, she has accomplished everything that she's supposed to accomplish. She's done everything that needs to be done. She, her, her, she's everything in the bridal party on her part is ready and she's just waiting for the, the bridegroom to come back. Okay? Now, the same is true for individuals. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him, through Jesus. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Did you hear that? While we were yet sinners. Maybe you need one more verse. Listen to this one, okay? First Thessalonians 5, 9, 9 through 10. These are not obscure verses. These are verses all throughout the New Testament. For God has not destined us. That idea there, He has not placed us in a position to receive this in the future. Alright? In other words, you have been placed in another position. You can't even get in this position on your own. Alright? For God has not destined us for wrath. That's a place for hallelujah. He has not destined us. He has not put us in a position to receive in the future wrath. But for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Who made atonement. Who became our satisfaction, our propitiation. Who, who, who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep we're living or dead we may live together with him in other words if I'm alive I'm living with him and if I die I'm still living with him okay now if you don't think it can get any better than that I want you to listen carefully what these verses also say because I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going somewhere with this and then we're going to be done this is going to Blow your mind. All right? Because we've been taught some bad definitions. It gets better when you listen to what the words say and understand that. God is really good to us. Amen? He, he is, he, we, and we love that goodness, don't we? When it works for us and, 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 and it works in our lives. But God's goodness is infinitely better than that. It's far better than you think. God is so good. He's also done this for unbelievers. Not just believers. Unbelievers. He's not angry at them anymore. He's not angry at their sin anymore. That's exactly what 1 John 2, 2 unequivocally states. It says, and he, Jesus himself, is the propitiation. He's the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. In other words, he made satisfaction for every human being. Now, I'm not preaching universalism. I'm not saying everybody's going to be in heaven because they're not. 
but he did what was necessary so that everyone could. All right? He didn't just pick a handful and pay the price for them and set them over here and destined the rest of them to hell. He didn't do that. He did everything that was necessary so that, so that, that, that the human beings would not have to go to hell. Jesus has taken care of God's anger with relation to all sin. To those who believe and to those who are yet to believe. Listen, the wages of sin is death. But God has provided a, a, a perfect solution. He's, he solved the problem we couldn't solve. The situation we can't overcome. Through the death of Jesus, who's fully man and fully God, the sin debt has been paid in full. And God requires nothing for you and me. Jesus pays it all. So now let's, let's go back to that mindset that one of these days I'm going to have to pay for my sins. Because I want you to I want you under, really understand what that mindset is saying. Okay? It, it means that we think we owe God some work of our flesh. Some manufactured piety of sweat and determination, some period of suffering, I got to suffer, uh, some tribulation, some penance for my sin. When you believe that way, it ignores what Jesus did. Okay? It's paramount to saying to God that Jesus is not enough. It's, it's somehow that, that what something I've done is, is more than Jesus could pay for, so therefore I have to pay for it. That's not Scripture. It, 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 it has a, uh, an origin. It's found in Satan. It's called a lie. And when we hold a view that God is angry and he's going to eventually get me for my mistakes and my transgressions and my sins, we are calling God a liar and we are ignoring the grace of his utter goodness. Okay? Listen, there will be a day when the wrath of God is poured out. All right? There will be. Don't make a mistake about that. It will be. But it's going to be poured out on the ungodly in the end times. It won't be sin that will be judged at that time. Jesus has judged sin. Okay? Jesus judged sin on the cross. What has happened is we have wrongly defined ungodly as those who are lost and those who sin. God defines ungodly differently. I want you to listen to this. He defines ungodly as those who are opposed to Him, who are anti-God. That's a whole different level than somebody who doesn't know Him and sins. All right? Ungodly refers to those who refuse to believe in the grace of a good God. They purposely ignore the work of Jesus. They fully believe that they can do whatever they desire because they are the captains of their faith. Alright? They're, in effect, their own gods. They don't need God. 
So they totally disregard the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and they blatantly and high-handedly live according to their own desires. And not only that, they teach others to participate and indulge in their wickedness. That's different than sinners who don't know Jesus. Are y'all with me? Okay. Listen, that time will come when that wrath is poured out on the ungodly. But praise God for His goodness and His grace. It's not today. It's not today. But it is coming. There will be a day when God says enough. And if, if you enjoy reading about those things, I personally don't. I take no joy in it. All right? But you can read about them in the book of the Revelation. There will be a day God's wrath is poured out. It's called the tribulation. I'm going to give you a, a little taste of it. Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 and 11. It says, If anyone worships the beast and his image. Now, right there, you've you got to understand this. These individuals know who God is. And yet they choose to worship something else that's not God. All right? If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead, upon his hand, he will also, listen to this, drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up, up forever and ever and ever. Listen, these individuals will be here because they were ungodly. They opposed God. They were anti-God. They chose to give what belonged to God over to Satan. They chose another path that did not exist. Now, there's a balance, okay? There's a balance. Allow the verses that I've shared with you this morning to set you free from fear and from dread and anxiety and worry and despair. I know there's some of you in here that just worry about everything. Amen? Stop worrying. Your worry can't change anything. Not one thing can be You can't make a hair grow uh, on your head. Okay? You can't change anything with worry. Stop being afraid. Stop living with anxiety. Stop being in despair. God is so good that He did everything needed for you and provided you with an opportunity to have a peace-filled, anxiety-free relationship with God. You can, you can walk in such a relationship that regardless of what's going on around you, it doesn't affect you. You walk through it. Storms come, they go, okay? All of us have them in our lives, Amen. It's been a tough week in my life. Storms come, storms go, okay? You know what I realized last night? I, I was sitting with my brother. The doctors had come in. They're talking about doing this uh, 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 
Drake deal and all that. And I, I'm looking at him, and, and I'm just be honest. He, he's living, as I told Kathy, he's living on a banana peel. It's, 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 it's like one of those things when reality hits. In the next room, I can hear this cry start. I know what it is. Because I've been there before. I know what it sounds like. I don't care if it's, if it's black, it's white, or it's Hispanic. It's the same cry. It can always be worse. I remember my brother, he goes, that's what death sounds like right there. You know what? We all, we all have those storms like that. But God has given us a relationship with Him that doesn't have to include any fear, especially with Him. I don't have to be afraid of Him because somehow I'm going to mess up. Look, I was so messed up that, that He had to uncover me to find, even find me. Okay? I was lost in left field in the high grass. And He did everything He needed to do to bring me from there to Him. He did the same in your life, folks. He's taking care of your sin. You don't have to worry about it. When He took it, He won't give it back. All you have to do is experience His goodness, to walk in it. it it's like Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Taste and see. Experience it. And then you'll recognize it. Experience it. And you'll recognize it. Listen, God's not mad at anybody in this room this morning. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're struggling with right now. I don't care the battle you're fighting against that you know you need victory over, but you're still fighting. I don't care. God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not wringing His hands. He's not wondering why in the world did I save this one. He's not doing that. Okay? He's not. Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9 says, For the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness, great in grace. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. Listen, it's time for us to break this lie that we've believed. It's time to step out of the, of the, of the bondage of fear and apprehension and, and holding back. Many of us are just paralyzed in, 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 in stepping out and doing what God's called us to do. I'll guarantee you, if I, if I were to ask you, how many of you has God spoke to you this week and, and you know it was God, and you were just, but you were just... Afraid to step out there. See, we fear stepping out there because we're not walking in perfect love. When we walk in perfect love, it gets rid of the fear of punishment. That's what John tells us. It's time not to hold back. The time has come to step into the arms of a good, good God. Lord, He, he is far better than you think. 
His, his goodness is, is beyond our ability to comprehend, but it's not beyond, beyond our ability to experience. I, I, can't, I can't make it make sense here, but you know what? I cry out for it here. Listen, if you'll just allow your heart to experience Him, your heart will take you where your head can't fit. God will do things in you and for you and with you that will amaze you. This week I was, I spent the night trying to think what day it was. Monday. Monday night. Early Tuesday morning. Uh, they run you out of the MICU for two hours and you just have to go sit in the hallways or something. They lock the doors and they got to do what they got to do. And I was sitting uh, over there and uh, there's no sleeping in there or there's not for me, okay? I got to have quiet lights, no lights. And there's all kind of lights and all kind of beeps and noises going on. So anyway... I hadn't slept real well. I'm sitting over there, and there's a couple of ladies sitting down from me. And all of a sudden, I just hear this name in my spirit. And this is not a name that, it's not a Mary or a Sue or anything like that. It's, it's, it's a, just a, a lady's name. And I hear something else. And I'm thinking, okay, God, is this you? Or is this just me? Have I just not been awake too long? And, and I'm... Uh, I'm hallucinating. And so I'm sitting over having this conversation back and forth with God. And I know after a few minutes it's God. And I know what God wants to do. Now, one of the ladies gets up and and she goes on. She's got to make a phone call or something. So finally I okay, God, I'm going for broke. If it's not you, I'll just frighten this little lady a little bit and I'll move on. So anyway, I said, I, 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 I said, does this name mean anything to you? And she goes, no. I said, yeah, that must end. She goes, well, my sister has that name, but she doesn't go by it. I said, okay. So I, I just gave her the word God gave me and went on. Now, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you this just to say sometimes you just, not sometimes, all the time. You just step out with stuff like that. If it's not God, guess what? He'll take care of it. If it is God, you have just delivered a message that somebody needed in a place where there's no hope. That's usually what it is. And listen, that's how good God is. That in the, the, the midst of suffering and pain, He wants to drop goodness and encouragement and help in those situations. And He wants to use us. He wants to use us. But I have to allow my heart to take me places my head can't go. Because if I want to be rational about everything, guess what? I explain away most of it. God doesn't need me to explain Him. He doesn't need me to defend Him. He just needs me to obey Him. Same is true in your life. All of our lives. God's not mad.
God's the most even-keeled, joyous, fun-filled person there is. Now, he's serious, but he's also loving. He, he, he's, not, he's got a plan that's working itself out. He's not rubbing his hands, hoping somebody will mess it up, hoping nobody will mess it up. It's not, nobody's going to mess it up. And he loves you. He loves you right where you're at, dealing with the issues you're dealing with. Fumbling around with the same mistake you made yesterday and you'll probably make tomorrow. Okay? Especially those of you that drive. Okay? But you know what? He's not mad at you. We've used fear and dread and anger to try to force us to act a certain way. And it never works. Whereas God's Word says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. See, God chose not to use anger and fear and tactics like that. He chose to use grace and mercy and love and goodness to cause us to return back to Him. Some of you need to purge your belief system. I'm trying to decide whether to use this illustration or not. Since I can't think of the right word, I probably don't need to use it. But what the heck? Some of you need to to take a laxative, okay, and get rid of fear. A Holy Spirit, little, little pill, and get rid of fear. And start living with confidence. And start living uh, assured that I, that I don't have to be afraid. I can, I can be confident. Scripture says that we can come into His His literally His presence with boldness, with confidence. It changes. Listen, He really is as good as Scripture says He is. He really is. And when we step into that place of confidence and we begin to live in that confidence, faith is not a big issue. Because God gives you the faith you need. You don't have to work it up. He just gives it to you. So we just have to step into it. And to step into it. And to step into it. My prayer this morning is that every time the enemy attacks you today and the next few days, especially if you're a person that lives with fear and you're afraid you're going to mess up and that God's going to just is going to hammer you, that you will be reminded of these verses where Jesus is the propitiation. He's the satisfaction. No, no, I don't have to do that. Jesus satisfied that. No, Jesus satisfied that. No, Jesus satisfied that. Because here's what Satan knows. He knows Jesus satisfied that. 
He's just playing with your head because you don't believe Jesus satisfied that. When my belief system, uh, when I get to the place where I truly believe what I say I believe, then I don't have to fight nearly as hard against the enemy. Because he has no light operate in. Okay? So I'm going to challenge you. And we're going to pray and we'll be done. Let go of the fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And the love that Jesus loves you with is a perfect love. Embrace it. Just embrace it. He'll do the casting out. You just have to open up the places. He'll, he'll take care of the rest of it. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.